and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths. Denise and I are so excited to bring this show to you. It's definitely going to be one of my favorite ones of the year and and hopefully all of yours as well. We ask you to send in stories of connecting with your loved ones on the other side and boy, did you all deliver. Thank you so much for being a part of our community and sharing your stories with us. We hope that as you go through the holiday season, especially if you're missing a loved one or just feeling a little lonely, that these stories will brighten your day and remind you that our loved ones are truly right beside us all the time. And and this is the stuff that really touches my heart because we all have this ability and connection with our people in spirit, our pets in spirit, our ancestors. And these stories are just a beautiful, beautiful um, tribute to that. I agree. Do you want me to read the first one? Sure. My beloved father passed away very unexpectedly in June of 2014. My dad and I were very close my entire life, and I'm so grateful for the special bond that we shared. I also have an older sister, and he absolutely adored both of us from the moment we were born until the day he passed away, and I know he still does too. When he died, my sister was in the midst of an especially difficult season of her life and had been keeping him at a distance which was so confusing to him, but did not lessen his love for her one bit. I know that my sister has felt so much guilt for that because she never got the chance to really explain to him what was going on. A positive that has come out of this tragedy is that we have become so much closer since his passing by sharing our special memories of him with one another and celebrating his beautiful loving spirit at every opportunity. My sister is also clairvoyant and has seen spirits off and on over the years, but she is not open to her abilities at all. She doesn't want to see things and doesn't like talking about anything spooky, as she calls it. Shortly after our dad passed away, she began receiving pennies in very unexpected ways and in odd places. She began to intuit that he was sending her these coins as signs that he still loves her and is supporting her from the spirit world. She'd never heard of pennies from heaven before, but I told her that these were definitely signs from dad. I was so happy that she was getting the confirmation she needed to release any guilt that she had about not being able to explain to him why she was keeping him at a distance before he passed. She received penny after penny as she went through the challenging circumstances, and they always had significant dates on them to either her or dad. The pennies also looked brand new, despite how old they were. Although I was happy that my dad was sending my sister these signs of his love and support because I knew how badly she needed him. The human part of me started feeling a little neglected and even jealous at times. I tried so hard to push those feelings away, but in my weaker moments, I couldn't help but get anxious about why I wasn't getting any pennies from dad. Was he disappointed in me or angry at me for something I'd done, I wondered? None of that made rational sense to me, but our minds can go down so many rabbit holes of negativity when we feel sad or anxious. One Sunday afternoon in February of 2020, I was feeling especially down in the dumps about not receiving any signs from my dad since he'd passed. I was driving around the beautiful mountains of Vermont and finally reached a breaking point. I tearfully said out loud to to him that I was grateful that he was showing my sister that he was still with her because she needed it more than I did at the time, but that I really, really needed him to try and find a way to send me a sign that he was still with me and looking out for me too. 
I didn't tell anyone about this mini breakdown and sort of put it out of my mind. The following day, I went to work as usual and didn't give any thought to the sign that I'd asked for. When I got home the next evening, though, my sister sent me a text message that said, Hi, this is going to sound dumb, but I just picked up a bright, shiny penny from 1989 that I think is meant for you. Sorry if that sounds weird, but I know it's yours. I was floored. I was born in March of 1988, and my sister thinks that the dates of the pennies correspond with some of dad's favorite memories of us. He always talked about how much he loved standing in the laundry room in the middle of the night when we were babies and rocking us back to sleep and how much he missed those moments. I think that this penny related to that memory for him. I still don't know why it's easier for my dad to get messages like this through to my sister, especially because I'm the one that's interested in the spirit world and psychic gifts. And although I don't understand it, I am so, so incredibly grateful that he was able to get my penny to me through her. My penny is truly one of my most prized possessions, and it constantly reminds me of the wonderful love that I am blessed to have received from my dad when he was with us here on earth, and the love and support that I receive from him in the spirit world as well. Best wishes from Claire. Oh, okay. That is beautiful. But I have to say, Claire, I'm with you, girl. I would have been the same way. I would have been like, yeah, I'm so happy you're getting pennies, but where the hell is mine? <laughs> I mean, don't, wouldn't you be the same way? Yes. She mentions that her sister is naturally clairvoyant. You know, the sister resists, it, is kind of scared by it, calls it spooky and strange. Nonetheless, she's the one who has seen spirits. And so whenever we have those natural innate gifts within us, it's just going to be easier for spirit to link in with us that way. I don't know why that works the way it does. It just is what it is. Also, even though you have this very human need to hear from your dad, and I wouldn't even call that a mini breakdown. I would just call that a rational response to wanting to hear from your dad. I do think your dad is sending her more pennies because she's going through the most guilt and grief. Whereas you do have this connection to spirit. You do have this understanding of how it works. And so your father understands you don't need those pennies as much as your sister does. But boy, did he hear you and send you a penny exactly when you needed it. And I'm so glad he was able to do that. But I still hope you stumble across your very own penny very, very soon. Oh, that's lovely. And for the listeners, coins, Claire made a really good point. Check the date because it is usually significant for a birthday, an anniversary, a graduation, a precious memory. And it, it amazes me. Even though you and I do this work all the time, doesn't it just fascinate you? How do they do that? How do they? I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, and the fact that they're all shiny new pennies, it makes me wonder. So what I always say is that pennies, dimes, quarters, nickels are easy for spirit to drop in our path because metal is a conductor of energy. But because they're all brand new pennies they're finding with old dates on them, I wonder if there's like a little store in heaven and you can go, hey, <laughs> I need a penny from 1989 <laughs> that I can drop on this on this path of this woman in Vermont. And then you just take it and you hover a little cloud over Vermont and you drop it down. I don't know. I'm not in any rush to find out I'm going <laughs> over, but, <laughs> but I do think it's fascinating. <laughs> Our next story is my aunt or aunt, depending on where you live, passed away 11 years ago. Back then, everyone was talking about how she was showing up in their dreams when she originally passed away. And I felt upset because I didn't have that experience. 
She passed away due to suicide, and because I'm so sensitive, I was able to feel her emotions when she originally passed. She had regret and a lot of sadness. It left me with a lot of questions. I was only 14 at the time and had not noticed she was suffering emotionally. About six months after she passed, she finally came to me in a dream. We were at a park with her three kids. She let me know she was okay and said she wanted me to continue to help look after them. And then she said her time was up, gave me a hug and left. I woke up with tears already coming out of my eyes. The most recent experience was with my other aunt who passed away last year on Labor Day. I started seeing her name at work, which was unusual. Then I started seeing people that looked like her. I had another experience when I was passing our old neighborhood one day, and I saw an old neighbor who was always sitting outside. That day, she was hanging out as she usually did. She came up to me, gave me a hug, and told me to go see her daughter. I didn't think anything. My mother told me that this neighbor lady had passed away two weeks prior to me even seeing her. We went to see her daughter, and her daughter was having a hard time after her mom's death. I realized she was trying to get someone to help her daughter. Even after she passed, she was taking care of her. And see, that's so beautiful because they will come through to for their own loved ones. And we can be a catalyst for that. The, the part that uh, she lost both of her aunts and the first one that she was a young, she was a, a kid. She was 14 when that happened. That's a lot to handle. Yeah. Uh, and But the coming through with the dreams and, and you're, I mean, you have a beautiful book coming out on this in the coming year on dreams and power of night work and everything else. And, and this is very much about uh, how, when we lower, when we're in that place where our, it's almost like we've lowered the drawbridge a little bit in our subconscious to let them come through. And we have those lucid dreams in connection with spirit. I know when I've dreamt about my, my loved ones in spirit, it is, I almost, I always want to go back into the dream. I want to spend just five more minutes with them. It's that real and vivid. I know um, it's such a special gift. And the second story she shared, she must've been speaking to a spirit because she sees, she goes back to her childhood neighborhood and she sees this neighbor who says, please go check on my daughter. And then finds out that that older woman had been deceased for two weeks. Yes. That's just, that's mind blowing. I I think that's, that would be a life-changing experience. I agree. But also that the magic of they'll find a way and, oh, and her point about seeing people that look like your person. Haven't you had that experience when a loved one is driving and you'll be driving in traffic and you'll see like their vehicle coming and see their face. I mean, it's them. You can see them. That has happened to me a few times, not a lot, but a few times. And when it does happen to me, it happens in a series. Like I'll have a whole week where I'll see people that look like that person. Right. And I mean, we know like a transfiguration when someone in spirit can come through as a a visual on someone else's face. That's a, a mediumistic event, trait, characteristic, whatever word we want to put on that. But it's, uh, I, I, it, it catches your heart a little bit and it always is like, oh my God, is that you? Like, did, did you really, I, I got that with my father, even though he was on the other coast and I'd be in traffic and it, it, I would see his truck coming and it would, it, of course you cry because right. then you realize it's not them. But, but again, it's, 
a beautiful, beautiful validation that they're okay and that they're still around. Yes. And they're still wanting to help us. I love that. Okay. Our next one says the first year after losing my husband of 30 years was difficult. He died shortly after his 59th birthday, far too soon. Most of the time, I felt like I was walking in a fog that first year. I couldn't remember much, but thankfully, I was guided by my therapist to keep a journal. Flipping through the pages and rereading it to find this story for you has helped me see how far I've traveled in 12 years. After all the family had gone home and back to their lives, mine was far from normal. Some days, the only reason I left the house was to walk the dog. A little over a month had passed, and I felt like I had a reasonably good morning. I went to the gym, looked over some paperwork, and tried calling my HMO about my new co-payment status since my husband had passed. Ooh, that's where you went wrong. That's not a fun morning. No. No. That phone call left me frustrated, sad, and tense. I laid down on my bed and began to sob. I cried so loudly my dog came in to check on me. She jumped on the bed briefly and then left without giving me much comfort. When the sobbing stopped, I got up and went to the kitchen to make a cup of tea. My pastor called to check on me and see how my week was going so far. I was able to let go of some of my frustration and calm down talking with him. The conversation ended and I took my cup of tea outside to the bench swing to get some fresh air. I laid down on the swing, closed my eyes and tried to relax. I heard a bird singing, so I opened my eyes and saw a bird sitting on top of the antenna on my rooftop. Just beyond the bird in the sky, a bit farther away, I noticed a red thing floating by. It turned out to be a red mylar balloon in the shape of a heart. I immediately knew it was a sign from my late husband sending me love just when I needed it. I believe he also prompted the dog and my pastor to check up on me and sent the bird to get my attention. When he was in the final days of hospice care, he told my daughters and me that the Lord had another job for him. And while we miss him, we know having him in our lives was a gift to us. Oh, that story. So that is such a beautiful reminder of those moments. I don't, I don't think there's anything more lonely than when you're just crying from the pit of your soul, from the bottom of your heart. And then you stop crying and you're like, well, I guess I'll make a cup of tea. Like that is such a lonely feeling, isn't it? It is. And then her pastor calls her and then she sees this bird and it causes her to look up and she sees a red mylar balloon in the shape of a heart. And what are the odds? There's too many coincidences in there. Yeah. We we both know coincidences are not even a thing. (laughs) I don't believe they're a thing anyway, but I, I also feel like it, Sometimes when we're in that deepest grief and we get such a beautiful sign, it can be what helps us hold on to keep going. Yes. Even if it's just for that day, I think when we're in the, the pit of that grief, you know, especially that first year, like she was talking about, sometimes it's not even day by day, it's minute by minute. I'm just mm-hmm. impressed that she was able to get up and go to the gym and you know, do all those things that's, and walk her dog. And you know, that's, that's beautiful. Cause to lose someone at 59, that would just, that would really anger me. I have a good friend who lost her husband when she was 62 and she was so angry because she said, I feel like I'm too young to spend the rest of my life alone, but I feel too old to start over again. Mm-hmm. You know? And she was like, and I, 
And she just loved him and missed him. And she was like, but I don't want to be alone, but I don't want to move on. And oh, the anger that comes with that grief, along with the sadness, it's just, it's intense. But to think that her husband had the wherewithal to say to his family, you know, God has another job for me. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a gift in and of itself to have that perspective and attitude. What a, what a wonderful man. Yes, I agree. That's a beautiful story. Um, Here's our next one. My mom and I always had a difficult relationship. Growing up, I felt as if my mother didn't love me, like she didn't care about me, and I was a neglected child in every way. I was a troubled teen when I got older, one who did bad stuff, and it wasn't noticed. I got away with a lot of things. She didn't care about report cards or helping me learn vital things as I grew up. She was absent. We also fought constantly, which grew into screaming matches, and we became distant as I got older. I harbored a lot of anger towards her. Because things had gotten so bad between us, we had a huge argument over the phone. I expressed a few things I probably didn't need to, and we didn't speak for the remainder of her life. It was Thanksgiving 2017, and my stepdad had my brother contact me when my mom was in the hospital. And they asked if my daughter and I would come as she was doing very poorly. We went and waited in the ICU waiting room. I didn't know what we had all expected would happen if we had a chance to speak again. But that didn't happen as my mother passed away right about the time we got to the hospital. But my daughter and I didn't know this. My stepdad took us back into a room and I was incredibly shocked when I saw that my mom was gone, laying in a hospital bed. I cried away in a way that I'd never had be done before, making sounds I'd never made before. I found feelings that I wasn't aware I had. My stepdad asked us to go to the funeral, and the extended family was not happy to see me. It was difficult, but my stepdad and brother wanted me there, so I let it pass. I had realized that I didn't regret that we stopped speaking. We needed to go our separate ways. That was the only healthy thing for us to do but I do feel bad about how it hurt my mom. She was very bitter and angry with me, and I think it caused her a lot of pain. On her birthday, three years later, I had a visitation dream from her. In this encounter, she was in her 20s and dressed in early 70s style, a happier time for her. My mom was very fashionable and made all her own clothes. Her hair was really long and straight. She had a bandana head scarf on. She wore a brightly colored tunic and pants. She didn't say anything. She just sat there with a lot of friends surrounding her, talking amongst themselves, and she never stopped looking at me, smiling the whole time. She was never a truly happy person when she was alive, always a tenseness and sadness about her. But now she was happy, at supreme peace, and carefree in a way I couldn't describe with earthly words. It was her, released of any burdens or negative thoughts, A happiness, I think, can only be achieved by crossing over to the other side. I knew she'd gotten a whole new perspective on life. While her eyes were locked in that moment, I knew that things were fine between us. I heard, I can forgive you for anything. I woke from sleep with such tranquility about how our relationship in this dimension had ended. She was at the ultimate state of happiness, and I knew things between us were on a level that could never have been achieved while we were both here in this dimension. I was very thankful for the visit and now feel truly at peace. Wow. Yeah. And, and it also, uh, what I, I mean, this, this is a, a very 
deep soul rooted vulnerable thing to put out into the world for this listener and we appreciate because i know there are other people who can understand this feel this resonate with this but it also is the beautiful beautiful reminder that the healing can continue even after the person has left and sometimes that's what it takes for the real healing to occur and happen for for both sides yeah and i love that she said that she's at peace with the fact that they didn't speak at the end because that's one thing that comes up so often in readings don't you agree like i didn't get to say goodbye or you know we weren't talking at the end or i'm not happy with our last conversation that can hold someone down for a long long time i can change someone's whole trajectory in their life mm-hmm. and can can cause them to keep walking around in circles rather than moving forward one thing that and this is a, an excellent example of that is if you're not able to make peace with someone in this lifetime maybe talk to spirit or or talk to your your guides your angels your ancestors whoever you feel connected with on the other side and say, please, please know I'll deal with this when I get over there. We'll, we'll revisit this when we're both on the other side. That's great advice. Yeah, because you're right. The healing does continue. And if I could just add some brevity to this heavy, wonderful story, I don't think when you're dealing with a person like this, I don't think it really matters if you're talking or not, because the angst is always going to be there. Do you know what I mean? Like whether you continue dealing with this difficult person or you make a choice to set a boundary and walk away, there's going to be angst either way. Like, I feel like this woman's mom and my mom should go bowling in heaven (laughs) (laughs) when my mom gets there. And I just had her over last month for Thanksgiving and she was in a mood and she just complained about everything, the food, the way everyone, she came in a black taffeta gown. And I had on a dress and boots, but apparently none of us were dressed up enough. So she was just in a mood. And after like two hours, she just stood up abruptly and said, someone take me home. So I packed up a bunch of leftovers for her, but she left before I got to dessert. So I didn't pack up the desserts because, you know, I hadn't served them yet. And she did not speak to me for three weeks because I did not pack up desserts. Oh my. Yeah. So I just think when you're dealing with a person who, at least on the earthly side of the world, has these uh, inclinations towards narcissism, shall we say, it's going to be difficult whether you choose to engage with them or not. And I do feel that many of these narcissistic people incarnate this way for a reason, to teach us something. And I'm so happy that this woman got this, this feeling, this forgiveness, this peace, but also the reminder that that's not who her mom's soul is. Mm-hmm. You know, her mom's soul is happy and vibrant and alive and forgiving and loving. And I, I, th- I just love that part of the story. I did too. And that she was able to see her at peace and happy. Yeah. Okay. You ready for another heavy one? Oh my, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Get out the tissues. All right. Our next story says, My dear brother passed in 2015 at the young age of 34. It was a sudden death, and it seemed that he was confused about how he had ended up on the other side, but also relieved to be out of his ailing body. I began dreaming vividly, and he was almost always present. 
We were always in transit somewhere, in a train station, at the airport, getting on a bus. In each dream, he'd make fun of me for packing too much for the trip. He was a major jokester in real life, so he didn't think much of it, but was so grateful for the dreamland visits. When I finally repeated these dreams to my husband, he laughed at me too. Then it dawned on me. He was making fun of me because I was carrying too much baggage. I had another dream and confirmed that, yes, carrying around so much baggage is silly. You can't take it with you in the end, so does all the worrying and planning really matter? This experience was really the catalyst for my exploration into connection and communication with spirit. The bonus part of the story is that my living brother called me a few short weeks after our other brother had passed to let me know that he was having a baby, to which I replied, holy cow, me too. We had our babies one day apart from each other, and my little girl is like a carbon copy of our departed brother and started talking about him at a very young age. It turns out she was a very open-minded medium, and many of her psychic friends have confirmed that my brother is with her always as one of her guides. I hope this brings comfort and joy to other listeners. I'm so grateful to know that you are all out there. It reminds me that being this sensitive can be hard at times, but really is a superpower. Okay, that one wasn't heavy at all, really. It was very uplifting, and we appreciate you sending that in. I love the message that your brother sent to you because- Honestly, I think we all need that message. And at least for me, I probably need to have that dream about once a month. We all <laughs> really, you know, cause don't you, I'm always worrying. Like, am I, have I done this? Have I called that person back? Have I, you know, have I paid for that bill? Have I, and it's all just baggage. It is. It, it, and it's, but we're all on that, that redundant loop tape sometimes at, at different points in our lives. And I love that her, her, brother kept bringing through the same dream and with the baggage until because that's how it works for me they'll give me the same dream over and over and over and they'll make it more and more simplistic until I finally get it yeah (laughs) oh that's what you mean I thought I needed to order some Smithsonite luggage or look into that away travel thing oh it's a metaphor (laughs) I love that her brother and, and her had children at the same time Yes. That is so cool. And I'm just so happy for this little medium that she's raising that she chose open-minded parents who can support love and honor her abilities. That's awesome. I love hundred percent. Oh, the brother lives on through this little person. I know. And is working as one of her guides. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay. Our next one, uh, my grandfather passed away in January from COVID and I, never really got to say goodbye. He was in Arizona and I'm in New York. Although the nurses were wonderful and would FaceTime families, my grandfather didn't want my sister or me to see him that way. He was the type of man that would never show weakness. Because COVID was affecting his lungs, it was very hard for him to breathe and phone calls were difficult for him. He didn't want us to hear him like that either. So I would text him and when he had some strength, he would text back. I was his first grandchild and we had an incredibly close bond. We're very similar. And although he would never speak about it, I know he was an intuitive. As a kid, I remember him always carrying around a lucky rock in his pocket. I know it was hematite. He, he would also rest for 30 minutes every afternoon. I once asked my grandma where he was and the response was, Papa's meditating. He does it every afternoon. My intention was to ask him to choose a sign that he could show me once he got to the other side. Unfortunately, we were never able to have that conversation. 
Once he crossed over, I decided I would choose a sign for him, and I had a conversation with him about ways to show me that he was okay. I told him our sign would be a cane. He had bad knees, and when I was probably about nine, he had a few knee surgeries and had to use a cane. Because he could never appear weak, he decided that the cane was really to be used, and I quote, to steal old ladies' pocketbooks in parking lots. <laughs> he would then have my grandma walk around in the living room with a bag and have me practice running by and snatching it at the end of his cane. Needless <laughs> to say, it always made me laugh, and I figured it would be perfect and unique. I also told him that he had one month to come and visit me, and he could do it in a dream. I told my parents about the cane and within a day, my mom called me to tell me she was watching a Hallmark movie and a girl in her early thirties that looked just like me walked with a cane as some sort of joke in the movie. This may be too much of a coincidence, but it made me smile. About two weeks after he passed, I was in a very light sleep and he flashed into my mind really quickly with a dog. My brain recognized him immediately and I got so excited, I was instantly taken out of it. This happens to me all the time in meditation. I get so excited when someone comes through that I can't stay in that state. It's very frustrating. I woke up and I told him, you did it. I know it was you. Try to come back and I'll be ready this time. About three weeks after that, I was having a dream that I was in a bar with a friend in a different state. The actual bar was then plopped into the middle of my dining room with all the people still around it. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see Papa sitting in the corner of the room petting my dog, Jasper. He was a pandemic puppy and they never got a chance to meet, but I would always send Papa pictures of Jasper because I knew he would love him. In a way, this alone was very validating for me and made me happy. Eventually, a voice spoke that no one in the dream could hear except me. It was like everything else fell into the background and it was just us in my dining room. It was a male voice and it said, do you see who's here? I said, yes, but everyone can see him, right? The voice said, no, he's just here for you. I remember running over to, to him and giving him a big hug and telling him that I loved him and that I was so happy to see him. The voice then said, he's not ready to talk or be there yet, but he didn't want to let me down. Then I woke up. I was never able to see who was speaking, but I think it was a spirit guide, mine or his, I don't know helping to walk me through the dream so I could stay in it and see Papa. I love that the guide said he's not ready yet, but he didn't want to let you down. I can just picture my Papa nagging someone saying, she gave me four weeks and it's been five. I don't care that I'm not ready. We're doing this. I've been doing a yearly reading in the spring around my birthday Oh, with Denise the last few years. And this year she was able to connect with him and validate that he's seen our new house and our dog and would be attending our wedding this past September. I know he's all good, but these validations from him make me smile. I love this story. I do too. And I just, the joy of, you know, the, choosing that sign of a cane when they used to play. And isn't that a fun grandfather? Yes, I want him to be my, <laughs> yeah, steal ladies' purses. Yes. <laughs> And then he would have her practice how to do it. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's that's fun. And that's that's more priceless than any trinket or gift or or toy or that's the stuff that we remember and carry with us. She made a very good point of 
you know, they do, they come to the weddings, they come to the birthdays, they come to the events. They, they're still part of our lives and they still love us and we can still love them. And they know that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And just to validate her in all my research into these soul travel nightworker dreams, so many people, including myself, have had experiences where we're talking to a guide and yet we can't see them. And so that's very, very common and is usually indicative of a soul visit. I've also experienced and been shown and told that once they get to the other side, they have to learn how to use their their new energy, their new form to communicate and connect with us. And that takes a lot of time. And so the fact that he was able to get this to you in five weeks, not four, but the guide said he doesn't know how to do this yet. So I'm here to facilitate this for you because he really needs to let you know he's happy. He's safe. He's okay. He made it to the other side and he loves you. That's just so incredibly validating and confirming. And the voice that came through said that, no, she gave me four weeks and it's been five. I don't care that we're ready. We're doing this. I, that cracks me up. Yes. And it's so him. Yes. That's the thing. They will let you know it's still them. They'll, they'll bring through a personality trait or, or something that even, even if she couldn't hear him or, but the feeling, never, never discount the feeling. Exactly. If you feel it was real and you remember it as vividly as you do, and you just have that sense of knowing, that's really all the confirmation you need. You just know it. You know it when you've had a visit. Yes. Okay. Our next one says, three and a half years ago, we lost a very beautiful light from our family suddenly. Even though Ramona was technically my third cousin-in-law, she was much more of an aunt to me. She was such an inspiration and the life of the party. One of my fondest memories of her is listening to the Beastie Boys on canoe trips. Her husband would turn it on, start rapping along with it, and she would just break down dancing. I have a memory that pops up on social media a lot of her dancing on a beach on the Mississippi River along to the song Fight for Your Right. The love they had for each other was magical, true, deep, unconditional love. I'm very fortunate to receive signs from Arona frequently. She visits me as a hummingbird often but shows up to my mom and others through electricity. My mom finds that often when Ramona has a message, she will come home from work and her camper radio will be blaring music. She'll text me and let me know what happened and I'll ask her what she thinks Ramona wants. On our summer vacation with my cousins, I had one particularly stressful day. Everything was annoying me. And so I decided I needed some alone time and walked back up to the cabin. As I entered the cabin, I can hear the TV blasting the Beastie Boys. Confused as to why the TV was on and why music was playing, especially that music, I walked into the living room and see an episode of Futurama playing. This particular episode had the Beastie Boys on it. I let out a huge laugh and thanked Ramona. I knew she was with us and really enjoyed the fact that she was watching out for us. Later in the day while eating dinner in the screen porch, I started telling my boyfriend about the Beastie Boys and how I knew it was a sign from Ramona. As I'm telling him, I look over and see a hummingbird flying around the outside of the cabin across the yard. At this point, we had been at the cabin for several days and hadn't seen a hummingbird, nor did we see one the rest of the week, despite spending most of our time outside and being on alert. I turned to him and said, oh my God, did you see that hummingbird? That's my validation. It's her. Just as those words came out of my mouth, the hummingbird that was once 20 feet away was now hovering right in front of the screen porch door looking at me. She hovered for two seconds, seeming to look directly at me. 
and then flew away. My boyfriend, who up until us getting together was a complete skeptic, was incredibly impressed. Of course, I immediately messaged my mom to tell her about the experience. As my cousins filtered out to the porch to eat dinner, I told them all the story. Not all were impressed or believed, but really, who cares? Ramona gave me a wonderful gift that day that I'll never forget. Wow. And that's that's from Nicole. And Nicole, I agree with you. Who cares? You got your sign twice, at least in that one moment, and you know it's Ramona, and that's what matters. And I have to add to your story, Nicole, because I read it, I copied it, and I put it into our little Word document so I could save these stories for this show. And then I had to get in the car and run to an appointment. And so I'm just driving, I have the radio on, and I'm just thinking about these wonderful stories you guys had sent in. And I love the Beastie Boys. And I was just thinking like, gosh, what if that's my sign to my girls and they hear fight for your right to party? And I'm just kind of laughing. And all of a sudden, a song from the Beastie Boys comes on my radio. And I have to tell you where I live. I don't know what the DJ's contract says, but they literally only play top 40 music from like the last 10 years. And it was, um, I think it was Stamina by the Beastie Boys. It was a song that they normally wouldn't play anyway. Isn't that weird? Oh, I love that though. I, I just see and music and elect, I, I, there's, that comes through so, so often of favorite songs or music or favorite band or, it, and that's a heartfelt connection. Yes. But I love that you got the sign as well. I mean, I don't know if it was Ramona or not, but I just, I listen to the radio a lot when I'm just running quick errands and I know what the radio stations here play. We have no really great stations here, no offense, but you know, they just don't play a lot of, it's just new stuff. It's a lot of Taylor Swift and um, Levitate is really all you can hear on our radio station. So to hear an old, fairly, you know, not super popular Beastie Boys song, just as I was thinking of Nicole's story. I just thought, what are the odds of that? So I just wanted to add that in. And it's um, very fun. It's it's very, very fun. Yeah, I love that. And I love that she's open to it. And the more we are open to receiving and recognizing these signs and saying thank you, the more they can bring them through, which is also really good to know. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Um, in early February 2020, before any of us knew what the rest of the year would have in store, I got the kind of phone call no one wants to get. It was a Saturday evening. My husband and I were in the middle of a game of Hot Shots Golf on the PlayStation. He paused the game to make himself a drink, freeing up my attention enough to notice the light emitting from my silent cell phone on the cushion beside me. It was my brother's girlfriend, Tristan. I answered the phone excitedly, happened to hear from her. Hey, what's going on? What she managed to utter through her sobbing turned my excitement into pure horror. My little brother, Joey, at the age of 24, had taken his own life. I can't convey the magnitude of the impact. I don't have the language to convey to you the pain and the questioning. In October that year, a woman named Brittany, who I didn't know but was connected to me through a very close friend, had asked my friend to see if I would be open to having a conversation with her because she had a message from my brother and he was being very insistent that she deliver it. My friend asked asked me if I would ever consider talking to a medium and I was like, sure, it can't hurt. Good, she said, because I know one who has a message to give you. When I spoke with Brittany, I was very skeptical. Besides the peculiar fact that there was a 20-something-year-old woman who I didn't know 
telling me that my brother had been connecting with her from the other side on the other end of the phone. Her most urgent message was that my brother's best friend, someone who is like a brother to me, was having dark thoughts because of what my, my own brother had done and that he needs to know that it's not his time or anyone's. This was something I had sensed on my own. So Brittany's message from my brother was confirming and kicked me into action. Brittany also told me that me, my brother, and his best friend were connected and that we shared many lifetimes together and that we were fated to be together. I couldn't fully accept what else she had to say due to its filtration through the lens of Catholicism and through her Catholic understanding of the afterlife. She upset me when she told me that my brother had to atone, which implicated to me of, for his sin. Part of his atonement was to watch us suffer, she said. My friend didn't know this, but I'd already been speaking with a medium or an intuitive coach named Eva. I spoke with Eva about my experience with Brittany, and she explained that Brittany hadn't learned yet how to deliver the messages she was receiving, more or less, without first interpreting them through her own worldview. Fast forward about four months to February 18th, 2021, 10 days after the one-year anniversary of my brother's death, I planned to attend my first survivors of suicide support group meeting. I first took my dog for a walk at a peach orchard a couple miles from my house beforehand. It was windy and very cold. I was very sad and missed my brother like crazy. As the sun set behind the mountain, I remember tearfully asking my brother if he was still with me. Later that night, I attended the survivors meeting. I cried the entire time. It was very emotional. Meanwhile, my mom, a narcissistic vampire who had been bombarded me with different variations of the same message for months. I'm so hurt. I have nothing to live for. You couldn't understand the pain I'm in because you don't have children. My pain is worse than your pain because losing a child is the worst thing a parent can ever go through, etc. was added again via text message. I'd responded to her with some kind of aloof compassion of insincere care generally. But since I was already so emotional from attending the support group meeting, those feelings carried over into my conversation with my husband later that night. The conversation was more like a screaming, yelling, crying and diatribe against my mom for completely ne neglecting to see how much I cared for Joey and mothered him, being a sister who was nearly nine years older. I had a long list of all the things I did with and for him without any expectation of return and purely out of love that I considered to be mothering. These were things like helping him with homework, baking and decorating his cake for cakewalks, helping him get his first job, throwing him birthday parties, helping him get into college, helping him when he was thinking about buying a house. I laid it all on the table as my husband patiently and lovingly bore witness. And then I went to bed. I didn't talk to anyone else about this, not then, not ever. The next, the next night, my husband and I were in the kitchen hanging out and making dinner when I got a call from Brittany Medium, which is how I'd saved her number in my phone. I'd seen her here and there throughout my connection with Olivia over the months, but I hadn't talked to her about Joey. When I answered the phone, we chit-chatted a, a little, and then she told me she was cooking dinner when an image appeared in her mind of two kids playing on a dirt road near a pasture. It's funny because as I said it, I can imagine the image in my mind too. She intuitively knew the two kids were me and Joey. Then Joey came through and told her that she needed to get another message to me. So the message that she relayed to me was this. 
Joey says you fulfilled your role as a mother to him, even though you two didn't always get along. You were a mother figure. He loves and appreciates everything you did. He sees that you're going through hard times, but not to worry. I was so shocked. The relief I felt was immense. I told Brittany what had happened the night before and how her message had freed me from such a heavy weight. In a way, she was unfazed and basically told me she needed to go feed her kids and got off the phone. But to me, it was so powerful that it almost leaves me without words still. The phone call was another moment that changed my life. It's all the proof I need to know my brother is with me always. Since then, I've developed an entirely different outlook on life and afterlife. I know deep in my heart, on a soul level, that I'm still connected to my brother, even though it's not in his physical form as I knew it in this lifetime. And I'm very grateful that I've got my other brother, his best friend, still with me. Thank you again for all the blessings you share. Very sincerely, Lee. And this is a beautiful, beautiful letter on so many levels. Not only with the connection with her brother, the validations, the love, the, but also that very, very important message of when someone, and I always use the term chooses to leave because generally when people um, pass by suicide, they are in so much pain. There, there's a, a depth of pain that many of us, God willing, will never have to experience. And it leaves a lot of empty questions and space that we try to fill with. Did we do enough? Could we have been there? Why didn't they reach out? I love that she mentioned the survivors of suicide meeting. It's so important if, you're, if you've lost someone that you love dearly, that you find the help that you need and you find like-minded people could understand the level of pain that you're experiencing. And when it becomes a competition of who feels worse, that's never oh, a good thing. That, that part of the letter, honestly, I know just to add to someone's grief that way, that's, that's awful. Yes. I love the way she wrote this letter and I love the way she started it because if you've ever been through a traumatic life-changing before and after moment like that, what you were doing in those moments before is freeze-framed in your mind. And the way she explains, like just a typical night at home with her husband playing a video game, you know, it's just, you can tell that moment is locked forever. And she describes it so beautifully. And something that has come through, you know, you and I have been doing readings for, you know, two decades now. Something that comes through so, so often for people who choose to take their life we all get jobs on the other side. And one thing I hear so often from either people who have died from overdoses through addiction or from taking their life is that their job is watching over people who are dealing with similar challenges. Don't you hear that a lot too? Yes. Yes. And they so, often come back to help. Yes. And so the fact that Joey was able to see that his best friend was having similar thoughts and to get through this message, this very important message that he needed to get through. And the only way he could see, which was through a mutual friend, this Brittany medium, I just think that is such a testimony to not only his healing and his progress and his new job in heaven, but also to the love that he will always hold for all of these people in his life. And 
you know, my heart goes out to Brittany too. She's a young new medium, but I think Eva, her other intuitive reader was exactly right. She still needs to learn how to pass on messages. And that's something Denise and I teach in our classes. And it's something anyone who gets a reading needs to really keep in mind. Anything that comes through the world of spirit has to be filtered through the mediums, beliefs, judgments, and biases. And so that can be tricky. I've connected people who have lost others through taking their own life. Denise, I know you have done that many, many, many times as well. I have never seen the word sin connected to that or needing to atone. Have you? No. No, or purgatory, or, or limbo, no. or, and, and just, we, I know we have a lot of mediums that listen to the show, or a lot of people with mediumistic tendencies, and you, you just nailed it. You have to step away from what your own personal beliefs, religion, background. Yes, it's going to be a filter, but everyone has their own belief system, and to plant that seed that someone is stuck or trapped or needs to atone i personally don't think we have the right to to put that off on someone i don't think it's it's and, and i'm not saying that the young medium because I, it is it's a you you grow and evolve the more and more you do this work but being aware of how powerful what you bring through because people are so raw and vulnerable so yeah. important so important. And if he were in this limbo place, how would he be able to get these messages across? How would he be able to see that his best friend is struggling, that his sister is being bombarded by these narcissistic messages from their mother? He wouldn't. And so just the fact that he's able to see that and help that and pass that on, I think shows that he's gone to you know, the loving place that he deserves to be in. Yes. Very well said. And also, I think most of these or all of these listeners should be writers because these are just really well-written stories, too. Oh, they're they? beautiful. They're, they're beautiful. beautiful. Yes. All right. Our next one says, I lost my father last March, which was especially hard because he has always been the moon and stars and everything to me. My heart goes out to you, Samantha, because the struggles you've described on the show with your father's illness resemble my experiences with my own who had Lewy body dementia. Oh, that's a tough one. Sending love and strength to you, right back at you. Thank you. The grief is overwhelming at times, but early on, I was given some advice to ask for specific signs from him if I needed guidance or was just missing him. And it's always brought incredible results. For instance, when something big is happening or I'm just missing him, I'll ask him to send me his somewhat unusual name in an unexpected place within, say, three days. And there it will be popping up on a menu or as a weird autocorrect on a text from a coworker. Last week, I asked him to send me a penny in a non-traditional way. And I found a photo of a penny on my bedroom floor. Why would anyone take a picture of that, much less save it? My favorite story, however, begins as I was going back and forth on a personal decision as to whether to pursue a relationship with a wonderful but somewhat aloof man whom we'll call George. After my typical overthinking, I finally said out loud, Dad, if I should keep this going with George, please send me a rainbow within three days. The next day, while driving with my mom, there was a faint little rainbow in the sky. I struggled to point it out while simultaneously trying to explain the significance to my mom. She eventually saw it 
though the distraction resulted in her missing a turn that we literally take every day. She ended up turning into a construction shop with a long driveway we'd never noticed. We look up and there is a massive billboard sign that says George on it, a sign we never would have been able to see from the road concealed by the trees. I guess the answer couldn't have been clear. Thanks, Dad. These nods are certainly not the same as having him around, and I miss him every day. But it does help feel closer to him and shows me that there is more to this world than we can see if we pay attention and do our work on the other end. Thank you for all you do to help the collective. Okay, that is such a great story because not only does it show that the love continues and that you can ask your loved ones in heaven for help with decisions, small ones and big ones, like, should I keep dating this guy? It also, the way she asks for the signs is exactly how you're supposed to. You're supposed to name a specific sign, give it some parameters, like she asked for a penny, but then she asked to see it in an unusual way. And then she always gives a timeline on it within three days. That's so important because something we've been told a lot is that Time on the other side is different than time here. So when you give them your timeline, it helps them to get it to us in that, you know, specific time that we need to hear from them. The mother knew that road like the back of her hand and missed the turn. And then they go up this driveway that they didn't even know was there. And there's a huge billboard that says, George, that's fantastic. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that just doesn't happen, you know? So it's just so confirming and affirming. And, and I know I've said that so many times in this time together, but really it's, there's, don't you get to that point? Like, I feel so overwhelmed by emotion right now that words just fail me. Yes. Yes. That's a beautiful way to put it. And, and you know, she's right that it's not the same as having them around. It's not the same as getting to hug them or just see the crinkles around their eyes when they smile or or feel their warm hand in your own. Of course, it's not the same, but it is what we have. And it does help us to get through and to remember that there is another life after this one and that our loved ones are healthy and well and thriving on the other side. And she's right when we do our part, you know, like we have to ask for the signs, we have to be open for the signs, we have to set the parameters for the signs. So we have work to do here as well. We can't just expect them to figure out some amazing sign to give us or just show up at the foot of our bed. I mean, I know that's happened to some people, but it doesn't happen for the average person. So we have to do our work here. And the more we do that, the more we communicate and connect with them, the more easy it is for them to come through to us that way. And I think that's a really important reminder. And if you, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, this isn't very cool. I haven't heard from my person on the other side. This makes me feel sad. Are they, are they mad at me? Are they not there? Don't worry. It takes, everyone is on a different timeline. One of my good friends, her grandmother, she was very, very close to her grandmother. She passed away. It took her, I think four or five years to come through with a sign that she had passed. She had spent, oh gosh, like 12 years with Alzheimer's. And I don't mean like the beginning stages. I mean, like, you know, where you're being fed. I mean, a long, long time in a nursing home. And so when she passed, she had to go to a nursing home on the other side. 
And when she brought through that message, it was so interesting because you see that again and again and again in one of my favorite books, Testimony of Light by Helen Greaves. The woman friend that she's connecting with on the other side tells Helen that she's working at a care home on the other side for the newly deceased. And they just fill them and surround them with love and light so that they can heal and shed all the burdens of the earthly realm. And so for some people, it can take time to come through. And then for others of us, our grief or our disbelief, like, ah, there's nothing after we die, it's just lights out. Those two things put up barriers. So if you're listening to this or you know someone who's waiting for a sign, tell them to give their loved one permission to get that sign to someone else. Sometimes that's another great way to get that sign is say, give it to someone else to pass on to me. If you can't get it, if if I'm putting up some type of barrier that I'm not aware of, then give that sign to a friend of ours, a neighbor, another family member who can pass it on. And if anyone's interested, if you sign up for my newsletter, it will pop you back the top 25 signs from spirit. And these are from so many mediums that I've talked to from experiences with people. It's just a, a little printout that you can have that will show you that they'll come through with electricity, they'll come in dreams, they'll come through with nature, and they're just the top 25 signs. So if you're interested in that, you can go to my website, thegratefulmessenger.com and sign up for my newsletter and it'll pop it right back to you. Oh, that's perfect. And that will be so helpful. It's nice to have a printout of that and look at all the different ways you can connect and communicate with your loved one. Especially if you're wondering, am I making this up in my head? Or is that really a sign? Yeah, I think it's okay. And I know some people disagree with this, but if you get a sign and you're like, I don't know, was that my sign? I think it's okay to keep asking. What do you think? Oh, I I agree a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I don't think we're bugging them. No, not at all. No, we're the ones held by the constraints of time and physicality, right? Exactly. Exactly. So again, if you want to get that printout, go to thegratefulmessenger.com. I would love to do another show like this. How about you, Denise? I would. It, it brings us all together, but also it, it, we're all, we are all in this together. We all grieve. We all feel, we all want to know our loved ones are all okay. And that's the whole premise of this show is to realize we are, each one of us want this validation from our loved ones in spirit, however it comes through. I would love to do this again. So if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I should have sent a story in, well, please do so. You can email us at enlightenedempaths at gmail.com and just put spirit validation story in the subject heading so we'll be sure to see it. And we will try to compile enough to do this again. We hope you guys have enjoyed these stories as much as we have. And we hope that your holiday season continues to be bright, beautiful, and filled with magical connections with your loved ones on the other side. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.